Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sound like a, you're doing a DJ thing there. Doesn't sound like I'm doing a DJ thing. Yeah. Are you going to play Rob some... Rockley. you going to play some hits of yesterday and today um, and tomorrow? I'll play How's hits it? from every era. All right. Well, what else you been up to? Well, Sydney... You distracted me by making me very aware of how my voice sounds, and now I'm, I had to have a sip of tea. Yeah, you took an extended sip of your tea away from our podcast. That's not great, but I thought you were professional, but I'm I a professional. guess at least one of us no, is. Here's a, here comes the thing I was going to say. Today was the first day. It's, it's always a bittersweet time of year. The first time I had to cook a steak indoors in the pan. Now- well, Gordon Ramsay, if you listen to Gordo, uh-huh. he'll tell you this is the way to do it. I love that grilled flavor. Right. But today it was too cold. Too cold to grill. It was cold and rainy. Yeah, it's kind of miserable. Yeah. But anyway, I still made the steak. It was good. Thanks. It was yummy. Wouldn't grill good, but it was good. My only problem is this. Now what am I going to do with all this charcoal <laughs> that I got? Is that a problem? It's a problem. We will, it. We'll accept it as a prob- problem for the premise of yeah, this podcast. Yeah, for the podcast. premise of the intro. The uh-huh. problem is I have too much charcoal. Well, Justin, uh, there's a lot of a lot of people would tell you that there are medical uses for charcoal. God, that's convenient. Yeah. Are we, so we're going to do an episode about it. We're going to do an episode now, about charcoal. Okay, I had a problem about charcoal and you had an episode about I it. I know. It's, it's like, crazy how that worked out. Like not it, planned it at all. for us like that a lot. In our intros, have you like noticed pretty that? pretty much every time like we do almost, an episode of yeah, Sawbones. It's almost a little creepy. Uh, a lot of people have recommended this topic um, throughout the years, honestly, uh, but even more so recently, because I think this is trendy. I didn't know this was trendy, it's on, it's but this trend? is trendy. Uh, so thank you to everybody who recommended this, including Gina and Beckett and Jay and Julia and Ellen and Riley and Leah and R and Megan and Kira and Allison and Ashley and Brian and Mariah and Christy. Wow. Yes. Sound like the lady from Romper Room at the end. 80s kids will love that one. I, yeah, I don't. Mm, 90s over here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, uh, and for making me aware of things that are trendy, because that makes keeps me cooler. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, plugged in. Uh, it There is an actual medical use for activated charcoal, and, and we'll get to that. Okay. But we got a lot of other stuff to get through first. <coughs> 
because the use of of charcoal as medicine, specifically activated charcoal, and I'm going to tell you what that is, dates back to ancient times. So are you, Justin, have you heard of that difference between charcoal and activated charcoal? Um... Working in medicine, I know that activated charcoal is something we use and charcoal is something I've never heard of being used. So that was as far as I knew initially. Yeah. Okay. So activated charcoal is just charcoal that has been uh, chemically or physically processed in some way, usually to like add oxygen to it to create more surface area. Okay. So like if you look at like activated charcoal, it's like a pile of like powdery looking charcoal got it and and the idea is that the more surface area the more little pores that you have Mm -hmm. so the better at like absorbing material okay it is yes that makes sense yes so that is that is the actual like medical charcoal that that i will tell you about there's a use for activated charcoal like a charcoal like briquette Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't really have a great use for okay does that make so sense? That, your, so your grand solution won't actually be that helpful to me. Now, well, here's the thing, though. I use activated charcoal in all my cooking. <laughs> it's extremely pricey and unsafe. <laughs> no, here's the great thing, though. If you're interested in making activated charcoal, you can. There's a YouTube video for that. It is something you can do at home. Okay, great. I found I found multiple descriptions of how to make your own activated charcoal in your house if you desire i might that sounds so good i think i might actually throw it off the balcony and forget about it forget that it exists just just leave it and we'll use it next year it doesn't stay fresh i'll go rot (laughs) that's not how that works yeah uh the ancient egyptians were already using charcoal uh for the smelting of ores so it was a substance that they were familiar with but over time i guess Maybe if you just have something and it's handy, you start to look for other ways mm-hmm. to use it. Like you sure. just have that like out and brown urge to have a multitasker. Multitasker, yeah. So, so they would they started taking it orally uh, for any kind of stomach problem. So orally, just eating the charcoal, right? Taking small amounts of it by mouth if your stomach hurt or you were nauseous or you had diarrhea or any kind of GI problem. Uh, they also use it for unpleasant odors. I, you. Yeah, I know. This makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It does. It, it does make sense. Now, it doesn't make sense if you consider that they're the number one cause of unpleasant odors for which they may use charcoal was an open infected wound. <laughs> so dumping know. charcoal in an open, you know, festering sore. It'll make you look tough. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to say this, like, I don't know that it necessarily makes it worse. It makes it dirtier. Right. It's not, It's it doesn't help. No, things. I don't know that it's helping, but, but you know, I don't know that it's healing it either. Yeah. Probably did make it smell better. Sure. It smelled like charcoal. <laughs> That's pleasant. Yeah, it's a good way to hide it. Uh, it was also used for embalming purposes okay. as well. Um, by 400 BCE, the Phoenicians were using it to, uh, purify water, which is again, a theme that you see, I mean, basically up until the 1800s. And that works. I use, uh, the Brita bottles Mm -hmm. that we have use charcoal, right? Uh, yep. Yep. Charcoal is used as a water filtration. So that's not for those old timey folks. Isn't it? And the way they would do it is, uh, not just to like purify or filter water, but they would also char barrels to store the water in 
for long trips like overseas so on ships they would have big charred barrels full of water yeah so and like i said that continued as a method to preserve water on ships up until like the 1800s so that stuck around um hippocrates of course had a variety of uses for charcoal because once you find something that works just use it for go for it Everything. I got so excited when they found something that actually did something. <laughs> he was he he agreed with the water purification idea. He also thought charcoal might be good for epilepsy because oh. we didn't understand epilepsy at all. So why not anything really? You'll that's one of those that you'll find like anything is listed as good for it because we didn't know we have no happening. idea. Yeah. We we don't understand. We think something either magical or demonic yes is happening to you and we have no idea so eat some charcoal we do have a barrel of charcoal will that help would you like it uh anemia it was recommended for again for stomach issues this is like a continuing theme like all throughout history like charcoal eat this charcoal if your stomach's upset (laughs) which seems really counterintuitive i know but it'd be so convenient you finish your grilling it's like what am i gonna do with all this charcoal the old Justin McRae problem. Well, good news. You can just eat it. There are people who will tell you still to this day that it does. Oh, no. We'll get there. Not now. Uh, and, and also for vertigo and for anthrax. <laughs> is that a is that a persistent problem? <laughs> anthrax? Yeah. Yeah. You guys should do an episode about anthrax. We'll do it. I'll teach you about anthrax. Okay. Yeah, it's more common than you would think oh. well i mean i don't want to say more common but like it's thank you sydney what a great, no i don't mean cool, that cool day. <laughs> i mean what it's cool not this it's not this completely like unheard of never happens occurrence that i think is is many people's perception of anthrax like nobody ever gets well no people got anthrax people people get anthrax uh galen that was the original title for this podcast people get anthrax <laughs> it just happens it just happens sorry deal with it that's life galen followed yeah. suit uh, he liked the idea, like Hippocrates' idea, that there are lots of uses for charcoal. In fact, he wrote 500 treatises on the use uh, uses for charcoal in medicine. Wow. He was really he into was charcoal. Really into charcoal. I uh, got my new book. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a bestseller this time. Feel really good about it. Uh, Galen, is it, um, is it another book about charcoal? Well... <laughs> thematically yeah it's there is some charcoal stuff in there but i thought we talked about this caleb <laughs> it's just all Why over and over again else? it's 500 treatises of all charcoal and no fire makes galen a cold boy just <laughs> over and over and over again 500 treatises worth uh i didn't read them all sorry Plenty, plenty. You kind of get, it gets, he does have like a dark period. There's a blue period. There's, (laughs) this is, this is his Sergeant Pepper of charcoal treatises. There's a part where he's like, why do we even care anymore about charcoal? It's like an angsty teenage charcoal period. Is anyone even reading this anymore? (laughs) Charcoal will make you live forever. There, whatever. Nobody's paying attention. (laughs) Screw it. My wife left me. Uh, Pliny the Elder recognized a boy that it yeah and he he actually he was right on this one this is something Pliny got right that he recognized that it had to be processed in some way in order to work so he talked about that um, he actually talked about like burning charcoal would imbue it with properties that gave it like benefit before 
but the but the you know okay. it didn't have it before which is kind of right he's kind of the talking act- about activated I, charcoal okay. like he 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 discusses methods uh, sort of of creating activated charcoal so he's not he's not wrong um however he then advised mixing charcoal with honey and putting it on carbuncles which are like big infected uh, abscess like sores that have multiple heads yeah, oozing pus well yeah we've talked about this before honey Honey has honey? its honey. Honey? honey. has its uses. The honey was probably more beneficial than the charcoal. They, okay, I know honey has its uses. They love honey yes. back then. Yes, they, they did do. love honey. Uh, and also ingesting charcoal for ulcers and cold sores. He specifically thought it was helpful. I'm going to eat some charcoal because they're ingesting enough that makes me think that maybe they just super duper duper like the way that charcoal tastes. Or everyone had pica. Or everyone had pica. Yes. I don't think they did. Okay. Oh, I (laughs) thought we kind of cracked it wide open, you and me. Uh, For for a while, charcoal kind of disappears from medical literature, despite the fact that probably people were still using it. I mean, these are this is one of those things that was probably widely available, so was still persisting. Um, But you don't see a lot of novel uses for it for quite a while until the 1700s, Um, and a lot of that the popularization of charcoal comes up because it was being used to decolor sugar so that it looked like cleaner and whiter. Mm. So it becomes like this more popularly used substance again. And then you start seeing it pop up in medical texts for things, again, for stomach problems and also, again, for things that smell bad, specifically wounds. Mm. And I mean, you got to wonder, like in that case, are you putting it on the smelly wound (coughs) because you think it will fix the smelly wound or because you think it will fix the smelly? Mm. Mm. The one of those age old (laughs) questions. Mm -hmm. Just because you covered it up. Doesn't mean it ain't there. And if you if you were to ask them, they'd probably say, "Don't interrupt me while I'm eating my charcoal. I love it." Crunch, crunch, that, crunch. that would be a really terrible way to practice medicine. If any time you didn't know how to fix something, just like put the patient in this room and just shut the door. And we're done. We're done. We don't know what to do. Sorry. <laughs> we'll come back later. When uh, you're dead. That wound. That wound. We're gonna cover up so we don't see it or yeah. smell it anymore. There. It's better. Have a nice day. <laughs> Sorry, we did our best. This is 1700s. <laughs> That'll be three chickens and, and uh, some wheat. Chocolate. I don't know. <laughs> uh, in the 1800s, things got really exciting for charcoal. <laughs> it really took off. Charcoal, a substance <laughs> on the growl. It, it really did. You see endless uses uh, pop up throughout the 1800s for charcoal, uh, partially because it started showing up in like official pharmacopoeias. So like big giant books of medicine big charcoal got into the game promoting yeah. it with their literature <laughs> they well they they didn't like fund the book didn't but like they, they, they got in they the book look a little bit deeper, <laughs> deeper she follow the money follow the money so and again it was for a variety of illnesses you see it specifically added to all kinds of poultices so like one specific recipe was like add breadcrumbs and yeast and charcoal together and like make it into like a paste that's pretty close and to my like, bread sauce that i make on christmas time eh, eh, and then that? smush it onto like an ulcer or like something that has gangrene like a big open festering wound or um any kind of open skin cancer that is very painful oh my god and the recommendation was that it would be on it 
<laughs> it would and fix it. <laughs> later, something would happen. Um, later, something would happen. Then it would. Later, it was thought it to fix the worse. pain. It was thought to reduce the inflammation. It was thought to fix it without. Uh, again, it's hard to say what they thought it was going to do because they didn't really understand what was going on. But, right. but there you go. Uh, it was also thought to be good to stop bleeding. Um, and what's weird about that is like you you see that a lot with powdery substances. So if you think about a powdered form and you dump it on an open wound, the idea that it's going to like fill the wound or like absorb the blood or something like you see that over and over again. And it's not like when you think about it physically, it's not this ridiculous idea. It doesn't yeah, always it, work. It I'm not saying like, it always works, but it, it would it looks look like clotting. Right. Like, it looks like it's gumming up the work somehow. And there are things that kind of work like that as right. diptychs to stop bleeding. That being said, one of the recommendations for uh, bleeding was that you ate charcoal, which again, just don't eat it. I don't know. And I certainly don't want somebody who is who is bleeding out to take time to go find charcoal and eat it. Right. Don't have a snack. Um, it would often be prescribed for a nosebleed for that reason. So your nose starts bleeding and just start taking some charcoal by mouth and hope something yeah uh again for the for stomach uses but that it was expanded at this point in history to bad breath uh burping diarrhea flatulence acid reflux oh man and anything that uh any of the common gi symptoms of pregnancy so like constipation or nausea they would recommend for pregnant women just you know eat some charcoal sure why not yeah it's good baby loves it um, Baby says, gotta have my charcoal. <laughs> uh, a mixture of charcoal and syrup and water and ether was advised for sick headaches, which I think sick headaches is pretty much migraines. They oh, were called okay. sick headaches at the time. But if you read the description, that sounds a lot like migraines. And uh, bismuth and charcoal was advised as a sedative. Um, I'm not sure that would work. No. Yeah. No. But there you go. The things like sedative bother me because like. Try it once. Like never matters. It doesn't matter. Just never like, matters. It, it obviously doesn't. It's supposed to reduce pain. Does it? Because it seems like when you put it on, you would know. Well, and then you're also up against, which we should probably do an episode on at some point too, the placebo effect, which everything, everybody, there is somebody who thinks everything works. There is somebody there, for everything out there, for every, for every cure, for every treatment, for every symptom control thing someone will think it worked for them right i guarantee you well you see with hiccups all the time anyway uh what, what's next what else uh, give me the, the next exciting step in charcoal's journey to now there's more for the 1800s we're not done yet but before we finish out that chapter in charcoal history let's go to the billing department let's go Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that... no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to... Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as... The palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette 
that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. Take me back, Sydney. Take me back to the 1800s. Tell me more about charcoal. So we're not done. We were still... And, and the thing I'm is, never done with charcoal. The, the nice thing about this is that, like, as we're, we're heading to the apex of when we finally figure out what charcoal is good for. We just had to try everything else before we got there. Right. So uh, charcoal was mixed with rhubarb and used as a laxative. Uh, charcoal was mixed with burnt brandy for gallbladder disease. Okay. Fine. I'm sure. Go I'm for it. Brandy. Yeah. Um, if you are bleeding from the bowels... Uh, this is this is one of my favorite descriptions. This was directly from a medical text. It has been used in enema, finely powdered to four ounces of water, thrown up the rectum. Just toss <laughs> it up there. Thrown up the rectum. Chuck it right in. Mm-hmm. So Grody. there you go. That's sure. not how. For the record, we do not th- throw up the rectum. I mean anything. You basically do very little throwing in medicine. <laughs> if you think about it throwing there is isn't not, a lot of throwing not a lot of throwing. that's that's fair to say and we definitely are not trying to throw <coughs> anything up or down 
or into an orifice yeah. at any time. Yeah. Because that's not that's it's very not little good. test of skill in yeah. medicine uh, in terms of chucking <laughs> stuff at people. Other there were other bleeding issues that uh, other than I've already mentioned that were treated with it as well, like heavy heavy periods. Uh, it was a common treatment for bleeding from the lungs or from the kidneys, which those seem like bigger problems than mm-hmm. uh, you know charcoal could, even charcoal then even charcoal could fix bleeding related You're to typhoid fever so i think the typhoid fever would be the biggest problem there and in addition it was used in tooth powders from the era to clean your teeth that might work right that has a ring of truth to it the, another one that persists today yeah i don't know if you're just looking for something abrasive i mean that's me yeah i don't know but i don't know it sounds good if you rub charcoal on your teeth though you know they'll like they will temporarily be black Yes, but maybe it's not a, like permanently, but like your your mouth will be black. Maybe it's a contrast thing. You get used to that, and then afterwards you're like, "Wow, look, look how that. white they are! They're so white now that all that charcoal is off of them." Uh, in 1813, French chemist Michel Bertrand swallowed five grams of arsenic along with some charcoal. Now he did this because he had a theory. That charcoal would be good for treating poisoning. Heck of a way to test it. And so Michel went for it. And he survived. In order any and this this should have been a lethal dose of arsenic, but it wasn't. He was fine. What a, what a that's a big swing. That yeah. It's a big swing for Michelle. Uh-huh. Uh and if that wasn't enough, as we as we go into like really uh, tough French scientists in history. In 1831, Professor Pierre Floras Torre, a pharmacist, swallowed charcoal along with 10 times the lethal dose of strychnine wow. in front of the French Academy of Medicine, as in, not like in the front yard, like he had gathered hey, the everybody, French look at this. <laughs> Academy I'm of Medicine. I'm picturing all of these very like stoic French scientists and doctors, and they're all sitting in like a big, like almost like an operating theater, and they're all like lining the walls, and they're all like leaning forward, and they've got their notepads, and they're watching as he like stands there, and he's like, "Watch me eat this stuff," and then he eats the strychnine, and he eats the charcoal. I wonder if he told him what he was doing, or if he just started eating strychnine. I don't know because I mean nobody. There's no like documentation of somebody trying to stop him and say like don't wait don't no. eat strychnine yeah don't please no they watched him they took notes he did fine he was all fine that's impressive and so this led to the adoption of uh of many people by many people in europe of charcoal as an antidote to poisoning okay so you see we were going somewhere in the 1800s all this weird experimentation with charcoal we got there took us to a helpful place um when you get to the 1900s, you can find in the British Pharmaceutical Codex uh, in 1911 a list of uses specifically for charcoal. Um, and they talk about the use internally as an antiseptic and an absorbent, um, which does speak to like if there are poisons or something in there. But you're still seeing mention for a lot of other things, things that we've already talked about, like acid uh what they would call acid indigestion or dyspepsia, um, diarrhea, dysentery. Uh, they thought that it would remove mucus and stimulate the movements of the stomach and intestine. Uh, they thought that 
if you applied it externally, it was a good deodorant. Um, they talk still about using it for poultices for things that smell bad. They've just been happy with the poison thing. I, that's the thing. Like we're still, the powder may also be administered on buttered bread in the form of sandwiches. That was a mention. Yeah. Good. That's if still, you think about it, if you administer anything on buttered bread in the form of sandwiches, of like that's, sure. yeah, uh, lozenges of charcoal and biscuits were popular forms. And then there were, of course, like I mentioned, tooth powder still in use. Um, it wasn't until the 1900s that uh, U.S. doctors started to take note of what those what those bold French physicians yeah. had done. And also in, in Japan, they had done some experiments with using it to treat poisonings. And uh, they attempted it several times in the U.S. Uh, when there were not intentionally, like I don't have stories of, of American doctors swallowing arsenic and, you know, charcoal. Because they already did it. You'd get up there and be like, everyone, look, I have an important science thing I'm about to do. Like, we saw it already. Do something more. 220 no. times the lethal dose of straight nine. They, they, didn't, they didn't do that. Instead, they waited till somebody else like was poisoned and said, look, you're going to die. But why don't you try eating this charcoal? I really want to see what happens. I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> so so uh, several times when there was a case of uh, toxic exposure or poisoning, they tried it and they had some success with that. Um, when they did that, what they would do is they would take charcoal and flour and salt and mix that all together and then bake it and then put that in some water okay. and then like drink it down why there's just the way they administered the charcoal okay and they had to i mean if you think about it like a <laughs> the, spoonful the ancient Greek guys like you're crazy what you're wasting it you're losing <laughs> all the great charcoal flavor just eat it no i mean they were putting it in brandy and stuff before so i mean but if you think about it like if you're talking about like first of all like something that's hard or like charcoal that is still a solid and you've got somebody who's been poisoned. Are you expecting we them to like gnaw it on at it? At some point, I don't know why we yeah. got when we got so wimpy. But it would also be hard if it was in a powdered form. Like you put a spoonful of that in your mouth, and it's just everywhere. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, it's just everything. Like a lick of maize. I think about like trying to there. eat coffee grounds. That's what I imagine it would be Ooh. like, just like Ugh. everywhere. Yeah. So you know, you mix it with some flour and salt and water. Sure. Bake it into a loaf of bread. Spread it with butter. Eat it as a sandwich. Again, butter bread. <laughs> Uh, so in the 1930s, a really, I found this one mention of this very specific and I found kind of upsetting use for charcoal, which was that, uh, if a woman had had either, um, an elective abortion or a miscarriage or, or if a person had had an elective abortion or a miscarriage afterwards, they would take like a charcoal, basically like a pencil, mm -hmm. like a long, thin rod of charcoal and insert it into the cervix to tr as a, the thought was that it would prevent infection Yikes! afterwards, which sounds highly unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and they expanded this use to any time after a delivery, if they would start to notice an odor. We just put a pencil in there. Well, yes. They administer it. Odor thought to be the like harbinger of what they used to call like childbed fever, purple fever, which is really like a uh, an infection inside the uterus mm -hmm. after birth. Um, but if they if they smelled something, they would put charcoal up there. Which again, like it, this sounds like, well, we're trying to fight infection, but you're you're kind of just trying to cover up a bad smell. It's just like the wounds we talked about before. Right. You don't you smell something bad, you don't know what to do about it. Let's just cover it up. Yeah, nice um, trial, Tommy doctors, but now 
today, as I kind of already mentioned, activated charcoal is supported by studies to be used in lots of poisoning situations. It, it is not an antidote for every single poisoning. It will not work to absorb everything you can overdose on, every toxic sub substance. But there are a lot of things that you can use it for. A lot of times it's just a single dose that they'll give you. And it's usually in an emergency room situation. Like it's, it's actually like a suspension. So it's like a liquid. You just you administer via IV? No, no, like oral liquid. Oh, it's like yeah. a suspension you take. So, I, and I mean, I guess like if you're awake and alert and you can swallow things, you could do that. Or if you're not, like let's say you're unconscious or altered or something like that, they could put a tube through your nose down into your stomach called like a nasogastric tube. <laughs> Deliver it that way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, so they do use it in in some poisoning situations. There are some medications that we have some evidence that maybe multiple doses of charcoal might be more effective. But again, it's not used for every single poisoning, but there are a lot of times when activated charcoal can be helpful for that. Uh, now, that being said... There are still a lot of people who tout its benefits for GI problems. Uh, you'll see a lot of recommendations to take charcoal if you have gas or if you have stomach cramping or diarrhea or anything like that, or, or just to like keep you regular, you should take charcoal just every day. Charcoal. <laughs> there have been studies on this, but they're not very consistent. It's really hard to see like a, a routine response to taking charcoal on a regular basis. Can I ask a stupid question? If we, if it's, so the, you eat the charcoal mm -hmm. juice and it takes out the, the bad stuff. Like it sucks up the bad stuff. Right? Mm -hmm. So like, why wouldn't that work for like stomach acid? You know what I mean? Like if we're talking about. Well, part of what we're dealing with is that, like, it's not going to bind everything. It's not like it has, it's not like charcoal is a magic substance that knows what your body needs and doesn't need and can carry it out. And you do need stomach acid. Sure. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. You uh, don't you know, need strychnine. No. <laughs> you know, stomach acid is very, it's important. And yes, there is acid reflux, which is, I mean, not even necessarily like the overproduction of acid so much as acid where it shouldn't be. You need acid in your stomach, not your esophagus. So I don't know that absorbing it with charcoal would really make a difference. But but I mean, the bigger thing is that I think because it does specifically work to eliminate poisons, it starts to become this um, like detoxifying agent. Right, right. In uh, kind of pseudo medical circles. And anything like that, you'll start to see like, well, yeah, use it for anything. Um, I, like I saw mentioned for hangovers. I saw for high cholesterol. I saw mentions of it for teeth whitening. So sure. recommended for teeth whitening. Um, all kinds of like skin and hair preparations that you'll find of it. Like put this charcoal based lotion on your skin or use this for your hair and it will make your skin clearer and glowier or something or make your hair thicker and fuller um lots of cosmetic kind of claims from charcoal um and then of course it is like you like you said before it's it is used in water filters that that actually works um if you look all over goop oh it's like all over there yeah gwyneth paltrow's lifestyle website where she does uh push again like pseudo medical type products you will find lots of lot lots and lots of products like bars that contain uh, like soaps and stuff that contain charcoal sprays that contain charcoal um, uh, like just charcoal sticks that you can like put in your bath 
Okay, sure. Why not? It does a cool thing. Why can't we just all be excited? It grills. Yeah. It grills steaks and can get rid of poison. And it can like, save you if you po- if you're poisoned. That's enough. So, but but charcoal is very trendy, and not only that, but you'll find because it is trendy and because it is being associated with this like wellness kind of lifestyle brand mm-hmm. thing, um, you'll see it incorporated in like cool food and beverage type things. So, for instance, you can find. Uh, places that sell charcoal ice cream okay. and it is black ice cream Ugh. it will make your mouth black like it, it's it's wild to it's see it so you can find dirty. these youtube videos but there's like charcoal ice cream out there charcoal lattes that are very popular some places um all kinds of like charcoal smoothies and things like that again all kind of aimed at trying to bring you wellness or balance or detoxifying you or something Ugh. some sort of non-specific but sounds pretty good medical yeah, claim better. building on the fact that like it does actually do something That's it so does annoying. it does it i will not i don't know if this counts as a one of our cure-alls cure nothing because it does in fact cure something yeah but uh if you are actually poisoned Please do not buy charcoal ice cream or lattes. Please go to an emergency room and let them treat you appropriately. Gwyneth. <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for us, folks, this week. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Uh, make sure this week you go listen to another great show on the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, I'd recommend Still Buffering. It's a show that Sydney does with her sisters uh, about how teen life has changed over the years. Last week was about um, sexual harassment and uh, and it's a it's and sexism a, and sexism in yeah. general. And and it was a really it's a it's a great discussion and I Thank think it's you, a really honey. great show. And there are fun ones and more serious ones. So pick one and just go 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 listen to the whole thing because I think you'll like it. Well, that was swell of you. Well, Sydney, I only endorse products I believe in. Sorry, that's me, Mr. Integrity. Um, that is going to do it for us, folks. Um, oh, one thing. Actually, I don't think we've mentioned this. Uh, we're going to be at PodCon, uh, along with Still Buffering, and My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and a bunch of other great podcasts. Uh, we're going to be doing live shows there all weekend. Well, I mean, we won't, but there will be live shows there all weekend. We'll, we'll just do the one. But if you want to come see a live Sawbones and a ton of other shows, go to podcon.com. It's going to be in Seattle, uh, December 9th and 10th at the Washington State Convention Center. Um, and uh, it is going to be a really fun time. Tickets are 100 bucks, And uh, you should totally come. It's going to be great. Yeah. Anyway, that is going to do it for us, folks. So until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McRoy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. In celeb news this week, the hosts of Lady to Lady took a break from hanging with today's hottest comedians, actors, and writers to sell a sex machine. What'd they do with all that cash? Rent a party bus to go to Magic Mike Live in Vegas, of course. 
All of this on the heels of a salacious sizzler session with Home Alone 4 star French Stewart. Want to know what the f*** we're talking about? Tune into Lady to Lady whenever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we.